Welcome to the Invest Smarter Podcast, where you'll learn about the power of building wealth through real estate and how you can achieve financial freedom through multifamily investing. If you're interested in learning more about investing in multifamily real estate, head over to our website, sastexascapital.com, and take advantage of our free ebook, Multifamily Millions, How Anyone Can Invest in Apartment Buildings. Now, here's our host, Simon Castillo. Hey, welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Invest Smarter Podcast. This is your Friday look back episode where I get to talk to you about my best insights into the world of real estate investing, business, and entrepreneurship. And what I want to touch on today is uh, hopefully giving you some, some tips and insights into uh, avoiding some of the common mistakes that people make when they are trying to renovate an investment property. Um, so I think one of the misconceptions about um, real estate investing is that, oh, I can just buy a property and uh, put a for rent sign on it and it will it will uh, lease out and uh, you'll, you'll uh, cash flow passively. And that's just not the way that in, in real life things work. Uh, typically, typ- typically, when you buy a property, you'll have renovations that will need to be done, uh, repairs and maintenance uh, that need to be done to the property. And um, especially for beginners, and, and this actually really does apply to everyone, even myself, uh, I'm, I'm still learning and still you know, making mistakes. And from my experience, I'm going to share with you what I think are, are five of the more common mistakes that people make uh, when making uh, renovations to a property. So the first thing uh, that comes to my mind is uh, when you try to make a change in isolation. And what I mean by that is, is you'll pretty, pretty commonly you'll find that during the renovation, especially you know, within the first couple of days, your contractor will call you up and say, hey, there's, there's a small leak around the shower. Would, would you like for us to upgrade the fittings or replace the shower? And if you weren't planning to upgrade the full bathroom, uh, it's for whatever reason, it's very difficult to change one item, especially if it's obsolete or really old. Um, without understanding the uh, waterfall effects that can happen when you say yes. So, for example, in this case, the contractor might say, "Look, you know, you have you need a new shower tray. That's going to cost you about five hundred dollars, and it'll be about a half a day of labor." So you might assume that uh, that's about a thousand dollar repair, uh, but what happens when they start working around a shower, and you find that there's water damage? Uh, the the contractor is going to be obligated then to replace the 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 material, and sometimes it's going to be a lot more work than what you initially said yes to. So this is probably pretty common, especially if you're not familiar with the renovation process. So if you're working on your first renovation and you think that there's a, a simple yes or no question, if the contractor hasn't really explained that there may be some other materials that will need to be replaced, um, if they find damage behind the walls or even ex- uh, explain um, that you know the bathroom walls and other, other types of materials that they're gonna be putting into a new shower uh, in order to finish it out, there's always little add-ons uh, and work and material that need to come with it. And it's probably a lack of understanding the process, not having it explained in full by your contractor that you know, causes these types of mistakes. 
and it can be it can be an expensive you know mistake the cost uh, depending on what materials are going to be needed in the in the bath uh, in this case it could be materials um, that are in the bathroom surrounding uh, the shower uh, it may be as much as uh, needing to get behind the walls uh, at the extreme end uh, and then retrofitting the shower uh, you'll need to consider, you know, is there tiling that's tiling work that's going to be required? Painting, uh, maybe the flooring is is going to have to be uh, looked at because of leaks and and water damage and and such. So it could end up costing you two to three times what you originally anticipated. And depending on the age of the shower box, I mean that that could be you know extra work as well. So you know the best way to avoid these types of situations is by asking questions. So it's really important that you ask, you know, what else could you find with this? Is there anything that I should be aware of? What are going to be the consequences if we pull that shower out um, and there's there's water damage? It could very easily be an old lake you know, behind that wall. You know, what's the extent of that cost? It may be even worth asking them, you know, what, what do they usually find um, if they do this task? And then you can you'll need to decide if you have enough contingency in your budget to account for it so asking questions and feeling informed is better than just simply saying yes or no and this is just one example now um, when you think about it throughout one renovation project you might have you know six seven eight questions like this and if you just say yes to all of them you can quickly get up to five six seven thousand dollars um, an additional cost that you did not budget for in a renovation. So mistake number two is not staying on top of quotes and invoices throughout the renovation project. So you should always make sure that you're seeking uh, written estimates and quotes to make sure that you're on the same page with your contractor. Because once you start the renovation pro uh, project, things can start to move so quickly um, it'll feel like a tsunami. And once it starts, you have to go along with it. And any kind of holdup is time and money. And it's your time and your money. So it's very easy in the beginning to start off enthusiastically and log every receipt, log every item that you're purchasing as part of the renovation. But keeping on top of the contractor, on top of your invoicing uh, are critical, um, especially when you have trades like electricians and plumbers uh, who work in stages. Um, so an, an electrician, for instance, might be, you know, they might be in the first stage where they're working on pre-wiring and then final uh, final stages where, where they have, um, where they've done all of the pre-wiring and, and final wiring and are expecting to be, uh, to be paid. And sometimes these invoices can come in weekly, sometimes they can come in bi-weekly, but you need to hold them accountable so that you can accurately and timely manage your budget and the cost of this can be can be huge if you're not staying on top of these types of costs and understand and agree with the contractor you know what will be the timing of your invoicing uh, to make sure that you hold them accountable uh, to your budget and to their original estimates and quotes you know the risk is there if you don't do that and you're suddenly hit with a, a deluge of invoices at the end of the project it's going to be very difficult at that point to start to challenge work, uh, what was done. And if you have a question about how much effort or time was actually put in uh, when you're not regularly uh, looking at your quotes, at your estimates and your invoices.
Third mistake, uh, a common mistake is uh, not checking with your uh, code compliance, your city code compliance. And I know this probably seems obvious, but uh, you'll be surprised at how many people actually uh, skip this step and then run into some costly issues, you know, down the road. It may, you know, it may on, on, on its on its face, it may look like it's a, a fairly simple thing to do um, or a fairly simple thing to skip. You know, why do I need to check with my uh, code compliance if I want to just, you know, uh, put in a, a uh, a bathroom in the, you know, in the rear uh, part of my property, but you'll be surprised you could run into issues with uh, not only code compliance uh, somewhere down the road when you're trying to sell the property, uh, but you could also run into problems with insurance who won't cover uh, the work that was done because <clears throat> it was not, uh, it was not part of the uh, code uh, compliance. So if you're making changes to a floor plan, you're making changes to plumbing, like, uh, uh, electrical wiring, you need to make sure that you're adhering to the rules of your local uh, building code. And I know that building codes change and they're fluid. Uh, they're hard to keep up with, but you have to, you have to go through your code compliance uh, department and just make sure that you are uh, doing everything according to their standards and you pass the necessary inspections uh, as part of their standards. So I mentioned, you know, how this could be costly in the future, especially when you go to sell the property or potentially even rent it out. Um, and uh, uh, maybe your property manager will pick up on a mismatch between the approved uh, plans and, and renovations and what you have on site. It, it just causes more issues for you when you're trying to sell that property because the next owner is not going to want to take on the burden of having to correct uh, whatever issues there are and become compliant, code compliant. Uh, and get a certificate of compliance from the local building inspector. Um, and that's just something, that's just a headache that you wanna avoid. And then, like I mentioned, you may not be able to get the appropriate insurance uh, or your insurance company may not wanna pay the claim, you know, in, in the event that something happens because based on their investigation, you weren't code compliant to begin with. So mistake number four is, is also, I think pretty common. Um, I've seen this happen. I've done it. I've tried to do it, and it's it's never really worked out for me either. But that's, you know, trying to shortcut, uh, take shortcuts, uh, get the cheapest option uh, in the short term, and it's tempting. I've I've been guilty of it, and I've paid for it. So just, you know, don't don't go cheap. Uh, it's very tempting to do so because especially nowadays with online shopping and huge retailers around, you can easily pick up items that are, uh, you know, on sale online, they're, they're, they're trendy. You can find it in the, on the cheapest websites. Uh, but the risk is, is that you've bought either a product that was inferior um, and, and just be warned that not every plumber or electrician is going to warrant the work associated with that product. So again, uh, down the road, this could be even more costly uh, rather than just paying for a superior product up front. And then going back to insurance again, um, insurance, if you file a claim because something happened uh, and in their investigation, they find that you just used inferior uh, and cheap uh, products, uh, they, may not, uh, they may not want to pay out that claim. So just be careful. You know, this is, this is one of those things that, you know, it, it'll cost you time and money uh, because you'll have to then double back 
and replace these uh, these cheap uh, items, these cheap products. And uh, you know, these are products that even you know the trades don't really want to work with. And some of these products also may not even uh, comply with your building code. So going back to the previous uh, mistake uh, in terms of uh, being code compliant, if you're using cheap materials, um, just make sure that uh, they are also actually you know building code compliant. That might be something that uh, uh, also uh, will cause problems for you down the road. And then uh, the fifth mistake is is on you as the investor. It's on me as an investor. And that's being organized uh, because when you're not organized, then you become your own bottleneck within that renovation project. And it ends up costing you more time and more money. We all have an idea of how we want a renovation project, what we think the renovation scope should be. And we keep that in our head instead of putting it in writing, but you gotta have the clarity around the actions that must that you must take and that must happen. You know, whether that's having the shopping list of materials, um, you know, buying the materials in time for the plumber or electrician to come in and do their work, or just simply understanding what your role is within the overall team. You know, whether you're doing a do-it-yourself project, um, maybe you're trying to do to be hands-on, uh, or you have a, a general contractor. You got to understand what your role is on a team. Otherwise, you're just holding yourself up and uh, causing yourself additional costs. Now, being unorganized is not a it's not an indictment on you as an investor. I think we all run through these problems at some point. I think most investors are also working, probably have W two jobs, or they have families and they're juggling all types of different. Uh, balls in the air in their you know day to day life, so you know it's even more important because of that then to be organized and have have a plan, have some sort of a project plan, so that you understand when materials need to be ordered, when materials need to be on site. Otherwise, you're actually wasting the time of your contractors and damaging that relationship and costing yourself you know delays in the project. I would say. You know, how can you avoid um, this mistake? What what can you do to stay organized? I think, you know, you really have to understand uh, with your team exactly what role you play with each of them. If your contractor is also, uh, you know, working as the uh, electrician, you understand what they're doing well in advance uh, because you'll be the one responsible for uh, that lack of clarity if you don't understand what the other people on your team are doing. And when you have that project plan, then you can understand the tasks that need to be planned and need to happen uh, and when they need to happen by. So if you understand your role, you know, you'll, you'll understand that, hey, I'm in charge of flooring. And so I have to organize quotes. So if you understand that, you can execute on your tasks as you, as you need to understand your critical timeline and know what those milestones are so that you can keep the rest of the team moving. So, you know, over the years, over the last 17, 18 years now, I've done a, a lot of renovations and I've made each one of these mistakes. So I hope that by sharing them with you here today, uh, I can help you to avoid uh, some of the costs associated with, with these mistakes. So again, the top five mistakes, 
that I think that a lot of investors um, make on their renovation projects, assuming one, that you can change uh, one thing in isolation without impacting other things. Two, staying on top of your quotes and estimates. Uh, three, checking in with your building uh, code compliance department, uh, city code compliance, and just making sure that your plans um, and the work that you're doing is code compliant. Number four is going cheap. And number five is being the bottleneck in your own project and holding, you know, holding other people up. So, so there you have it. Um, five of the more common mistakes that I see people make on their renovation projects. Um, again, my hope is that by sharing this with you, you can avoid some of these costly mistakes that I've experienced myself and I know many other investors have as well. Now, if uh, talking about these mistakes fills you with dread and you want to learn more about investing in real estate, but in a more passive nature, then head over to our website, sastexascapital.com. We have tons of free resources on how to invest passively in real estate. You don't have to be the one managing these projects yourself and making these mistakes. Um, you can invest passively with experienced investors. Uh, both short-term and long-term investment opportunities are available, but you got to head over to sastexascapital.com, download any of our free resources, sign up for our newsletter, and that'll put you onto our email list so you can be notified when new opportunities are available. So hopefully you found value in today's episode. If you did, share it with a friend. If you have someone that you know that is also wanting to get started investing in real estate or perhaps is already investing in real estate, um, share this episode with them and uh, leave us a five-star rating and review. It just helps to grow the show and to continue to attract the type of content and guests that you as a listener uh, want to and need to listen to. So thanks again for listening to this Friday Look Back episode on the Invest Smarter podcast. We'll talk again next week. Thanks again for listening to the Invest Smarter podcast, the show that educates you so that you can take control of your financial future. Be sure to rate the show five stars and leave us a review. Make sure that you're subscribed so that you automatically receive the newest edition of the podcast when it's released. If you're interested in learning more about investing in multifamily real estate and taking control of your financial future, head over to our website, sastexascapital.com and take advantage of our free ebook, Multifamily Millions, How Anyone Can Invest in Apartment Buildings. And be sure to sign up for our mailing list to receive exclusive investment opportunities straight to your inbox. It's time to invest smarter. That's sastexascapital.com.